incredible blessing. Uh, before we open Luke 6 and uh, read any verses, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we honor you, our great King, this morning. And uh, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And God, we submit to these truths. We would ask, Holy Spirit of God, as we prayed from the very beginning of this series, help us to see. Lord, help us to hear. Help us to feel your heart. And Lord, might that result in us being able to love in a greater way. So we ask that you would do that in our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody like Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Has anyone went, hey, let's go to Chick-fil-A? Oh, wait, it's Sunday. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, all right, huh? Um, Chick-fil-A, those waffle fries. Sorry, I didn't mean to get you hungry, but ah, bring it up. I love them things. Um, But that owner of Chick-fil-A has a conviction. And his conviction carries over into the way he does business, and he's not going to open on Sunday. He's got a deep conviction about the Sabbath. And he believes, in his words, he wants his employees to get rest and spend time with their family. It's a great thing, right? I mean, this, this idea of a Sabbath, whoever thought of it, good thinking. I mean, what a great idea to give one day a week to rest, spend time with your family, energize yourself. What a great idea. And in this particular text, that great idea <laughs> um, is going to be attacked. Or maybe not so much attacked, but changed. Or tried to be manipulated. And what we have is this showdown. The battlefield is the Sabbath, but the issue is legalism. And, and it's a battle, and it's going to continue through Jesus' life, but boy, let's, let's really look how he handles this. Let's read verses 1 through 5. On a Sabbath, while he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath? Jesus answered them, you've not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the, of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, we read the Sabbath and we're like, geez, what's the big deal with these guys getting so hung up on this thing called the Sabbath? Why is that a big deal? Well, it's, we need to understand the issue is not trivial to the Jewish people. The Sabbath was a sign of Israel's distinctiveness among all the nations. And careful observance in their eyes was regarded as fortifying the nation against assimilation into pagan culture. So their thought on the Sabbath was, this is really important, we better make sure we observe it, don't treat it carelessly, make sure we toe the line so we don't lose our distinctiveness as God's people. So it was a big issue to them. This is no small, trivial thing to them. But we see something happening here, which is really quite ugly as we go through the text you're going to see. And first of all, I just kind of want to get out there. This issue, this equation of legalism is simply this. Rule making and rule keeping equals favor with God. That's what legalism would tell you. Get the list, follow the list, you'll have favor with God. It's what Peter's testimony was about. Do good, 
God's happy. That's the legalist in a nutshell. Legalism adds to Scripture a list of rules that get elevated to the same plane or authority as Scripture. If the Reformation, anything, trumpeted sola scriptura, Scriptures, highest authority. And there's a reason for that, because there will always be some legalists who come in with their list and say, hey, but, but this list needs to be followed if you're really going to be righteous. In this case, the issue is the Sabbath. So these legalists come along and they take what is a good thing. God created the Sabbath. Seventh day he rested. We read in Exodus, he commanded his people and says, hey, take a Sabbath. i got a day for you. It's a gift. Rest. Kick back. Enjoy your family. Get your mind cleared up. It's a beautiful thing, God. He's, he's given a Sabbath rest. It's a good gift. But along came this group and they made that good gift burdensome. You know what a birthday cake? I thought of the, what, what's the happiest thing I could think of? A birthday cake. I love birthday cakes. And so, but you know what a birthday cake needs? Pretty much nothing. A fork, if that, to enjoy a birthday cake, right? I mean, a cake doesn't need rules. Doesn't need a list. Matter of fact, if you want to ruin a birthday cake for someone, walk up to them and say, can't be chocolate. It can't be marble. Got to be vanilla. No sprinkles, don't you dare put colored frosting on it. Just vanilla. Eat it on Tuesday, not Wednesday. Not Thursday or Friday. You eat it Tuesday. At 2.25 to 2.30, you can have that piece of that cake. Not before, not after. Oh, and eat the cake with your left hand. Not your right hand. Use a spoon, not a fork. If you drop the spoon, there's no 10-second rule in this house. Here, enjoy your cake. You just turned something so delightful into like going to the dentist. Right? Because you added all the rules to it. Something so good as a birthday cake got ruined. Because all the lists of the rules you attach to it. That's a good picture of the Sabbath. Such a good thing. But then the list came. And made something so good become so burdensome. Matter of fact, they were supposed to not work on the Sabbath. It just took a lot of work to observe the Sabbath the way the legalists want it to be enjoyed or, or to be lived out. Think about it, though. A day off, and you get a list to how to have a day off. Doesn't something seem wrong about that? I mean, if you want to go take a nap, you oh, I better get the rules for a nap. How do I take a nap on a day? You need rules for everything. Matter of fact, they had a 39 rules, not kidding, 39 to tell you how to not work on the Sabbath. That sounds like a lot of work to not work on the Sabbath, but that's what they did. But I'm so grateful God made it clear. He says, I got, I've given you my scriptures. I've given you the word. It's the highest authority. As well, Jesus uses that as well here, is the highest authority. And so he says, live according to my words, not someone else's lists. There's a great challenge in our life. We see it all around us. We'll talk more about that here. So we have Sabbath. It's a good gift, meant to enjoy relationships, meant to get rest, meant to take a day of the week off. Old Testament says even animals were supposed to give, be given a day because it was a good thing to rest. But here comes the religious people 
And they say, no, 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 you you need to do certain things or not do certain things on the Sabbath. And they try to structure it, put a fence around that, which was good. But the principle, whether it was Saturday, the Jewish people celebrated it. After Jesus rose from the dead, the early church said, hey, let's celebrate the Sabbath on a Sunday. Revelation calls it the Lord's Day. And so, but whether it's Saturday or Sunday, the Sabbath is a good thing. It's a Sabbath principle. It's a good thing. Now, the book of Deuteronomy laid out Old Testament law that if you were walking along on the Sabbath through someone's grain field and you were hungry, for whatever reason, you were hungry, it, it had, I guess, what you could call a generosity provision that you could grab some grain, pick, grab some grain, and kind of rub it together and, and eat it. And there was nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, it's a very good welfare system. Somebody was having it down on their luck, having a hard time, they have a lot of food. There's a provision allowed for them to walk through and get a little grain. I mean, but the provision said, don't bring a sickle with you. Or if you're prone to be driving your harvester around, <laughs> don't take it through the grain field. It wasn't supposed to be for commercial use. It was just a personal provision for an individual. Again, a good welfare system to help feed those who were hungry. There was nothing wrong with that. So when they attacked Jesus here, He's not doing anything wrong. Matter of fact, they say, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath? There's nothing wrong with what they were doing. According to the Old Testament, there was a provision made. But let's read on what happens. Jesus answers them. I love this. (laughs) Have you not read your Bibles? We haven't read your Bibles, guys. Got your list pretty good, but haven't you read the Old Testament here? There's, there's There's an occasion here. And he uses David as an example. Now, the interesting thing, again, to to note here, it's an important thing, is the accusation against Jesus was really four things, him and his disciples. In the religious leaders' minds, the Pharisees, they had violated four things. Reaping, they picked the grain. Secondly, they threshed it. In other words, they rubbed it together. That's how you eat it. You pick it, rub it together, blow off the chaff, and eat it. It was kind of gummy at first, but it did its trick. And so that's what they're, those are the first two things, reaping, threshing, and then winnowing, blowing away the chaff, that was work, and you put it all together and you prepared a meal, which is the fourth thing they shouldn't have been done, doing according to this list. So they violated four things according to the religious Pharisees of that day. The text also seems to imply, as I read this over and over, it dawned on me, these guys actually went out into the grain field looking for him. Think about that. It's not like you're waiting in town. It's like, we're going to find him, and we're going to peg him. And sure enough, they'd come out in the grain fields. You know, if you ever gone through corn or there, they'd find him. Gotcha. Look at you guys. You're rubbing that stuff together. Violation, violation, violation. Like penalty flags throwing, you know. And, uh, and so we gotcha. And so they're condemning them based upon that action. And the assumption of the religious people is Jesus is wrong. That's the assumption. He's wrong. It's like, hello, son of God. You didn't listen to our rules. <laughs> um, you've broken our rules. I-, I wonder if Jesus was intimidated. Ooh, you know, got me. You know, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. The text, matter of fact, says quite the contrary. He's not even remotely intimidated by the list of rules. And... I was just reminded, it really seems legalists will always assume you're wrong and they're right. It seems they always come across, try to intimidate, trying to push their rules, 
And they seem so bold and intimidating, especially to young Christians or those who are a little bit more reserved. But make, make no mistake, legalists will come. They'll try to rob you of your joy and your freedom. The whole book of Galatians is written to address the issue of legalism. But this text points out some warnings against legalism. Some things that we learn, whether in the grain field or in the synagogue here in a minute. The first thing is, legalists are unbiblical. Again, Jesus points out here, you may have a lot, you can have a lot, of li- a lot of lists and a lot of rules, but and still be unbiblical. Jesus addresses the Pharisees with Scripture. 1 Samuel 21 is a story. He says, hey, you guys, you haven't read your Bibles. Remember David? King David, your king? The guy you hold high, high esteem? Have you forgot? 1 Samuel 21 is a story. King Saul, this wacky king, uh, out of cuckoo, cocoa puffs, he's after him, and he's chasing David and his soldiers, and he's trying to kill him. David and his soldiers are sucking wind, and they come to this priest, and they're like, man, we are tired, and we're hungry. We haven't eaten in days. We're hungry. Got any food? The priest who's in the tabernacle says, no, but we do have this bread of presence, this consecrated bread. It would be 12 loaves that were given once a week, and then they'd be removed and replenished, and the priests were allowed to eat them. It was kind of in a sense of provision for their ministry. But only they could. Well, David comes in and says, okay, we'll, we'll have some of that. Well, the priest's a little not sure what to do, and he says, are you holy men of God? Or are you careless, chasing women and, 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 and guilty of, of violating God's commands? And David says, no, we love God. We're trying to be faithful to him. And the priests say, okay. David eats some bread, gives this to his men, and this is the account Jesus is talking about. Haven't you read about David? God allowed that particular time, at that particular case, that that would be okay. David had a mission. God provided for him in that situation. And so he used the scripture as his authority to explain this situation. And in a sense, if that's okay that your king David did that, why are you getting bent out of shape about us rubbing grain together? It's kind of the point. He's basically trapping them. He's really good at that. Um, And so this thought emerged to me as well. If the law could be set aside for David and his men in their urgent mission, how much more for Jesus and the disciples in a greater mission? And so this is important that we understand. These Pharisees, these legalists, Jesus exposes them because they've elevated their rules above Scripture. And they assume this whole point, Jesus is wrong. And then verse 5 is the key verse to the whole count. It's the main thrust of the text. Jesus says to him in verse 5, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. That's pretty much in your face. That's the main point. You see, as Lord of the Sabbath, it was his idea. It's his book. The book was written, is his book. In essence, these religious leaders had made themselves lords of the Sabbath so they could be lords of the people. And Jesus makes it clear, oh no, I'm, I'm the lord of the Sabbath. That's why they're really ticked at him. He had the authority to overrule the Pharisees' traditions, all their rules and regulations, because he created the Sabbath, and the creator is always greater than the creation. Furthermore, Jesus claimed the authority to correctly interpret 
the meaning of the Sabbath and all the laws pertaining to it. He could do that because he's Lord of the Sabbath. And because he's Lord of the Sabbath, he was free to do on it whatever he pleased to do on it. He's Lord of the Sabbath. And as Lord of the Sabbath, he could say what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. So it really became pretty simple. Follow him. Follow Jesus. We're back to that. This whole book of Luke is just continually call us to lay it all down and follow Christ and his example. But the legalists would say, oh yeah, but, 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 and the list would go on and on. Legalism. It can certainly make a person arrogant. It's another point we learn. Legalism makes one arrogant. Angela, my oldest daughter, had a really good friend growing up. And uh, wonderful family. And uh, we loved him. His dad was a really good friend of mine. And uh, unfortunately, and I say fell, because in a sense, they fell into legalism. And it got so bad to the point that if Angela tried to communicate with this friend, used to be a friend, um, the other friend would attack Angela verbally, saying, hey, you're wearing jeans. You shouldn't be wearing jeans. You should be wearing a skirt this length. And Angela would... I uh, had a c- couple pictures posted of her with some of, some of her friends, and a couple of them were guys. And I got on her about that. You shouldn't be having friends who are guys, and you should be, can't have any friends with a guy till you're married type thing. And uh, my motto is, you know, if you've got friends that are guys, bring them over because I want my enemies close. <laughs> There's wisdom here, okay? Keep my enemies close. And, uh, but that was really hard to watch. Because the implication from this friend was that you're not spiritual if you're wearing jeans. You're not being spiritual if you go to a movie with some guys. And it, I mean, it was really hard for Angela. I mean, it was really hurtful. Can you imagine having a really good friend and all of a sudden get attacked because of a list? To have a list of rules elevated above a relationship, to me, is staggering. And, uh, but this young lady fell into it because mom and dad fell into it. Mom and dad fell into it because they went to a church that was legalistic. And you can see the ripple effect. And it's hurtful to watch. It's hard to watch. But legalists are arrogant. I'm just going to lay it right out there. There's an arrogance there that says, I'm right and you're wrong, and we see it right here. And so we have a battlefield, in a gra- we have a battle, a showdown in a grain field, and now we have it in the synagogue because we told in verse 6, on another Sabbath, I, I got, uh-oh, it's got to read the, I go, oh, here we go, it's going to happen again. He entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, Is it lawful on a Sabbath to do good or to harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, all he said to them, all all he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. This is amazing to me. But the, the text is clear. It's not just the Pharisees now. They, they got their big dogs with them. They got the scribes, the learned group, the law scholars, 
I'm sure they went back and said, hey, you should see what Jesus is doing. They're, they're preparing meals and they're threshing and everything on the Sabbath. Now he's in a synagogue. Now, now the scribes. Now, in a sense, Jesus is almost on their home turf. And, and there's this encounter that takes place. Now, understand back then, because there was supposed to be no work on the Sabbath, remember that was their thought, the religious people came along and they added their rules and said it could only be a medical emergency to do anything on the Sabbath. Well, how about the guy with the withered hand? He might think this is an emergency. I mean, just from that perspective alone. But that's kind of where they're coming from when Jesus case. You shouldn't be healing. This isn't an emergency. You're working. That's kind of where they're coming from with this thing. Which brings up another point about legalism. Legalism makes you very unloving. There's no concern for this man. No concern for this man but anyone present but Jesus. But these people start with I'm right, not what is right, or not loving. They're just concerned about their rules. They don't come to listen to this man. They come to criticize Jesus. Religious cloud, think about this. They had a chance to hear Jesus, greatest teacher ever. They had that chance, but they did not hear him. And they missed hearing him. They missed hearing his heart. They missed seeing his power. They were unable to see Unable to love because of their rules. They loved their rules. And they were steeped in them. And they chose to be unloving. Because they wanted Jesus to wait till the next day to heal this man. According to their timetable. I, I love the way, what Luke does. Remember, Luke's a doctor, and so he's the only one. The other Gospels that record this event don't mention this one. Luke mentions his right hand. Uh, it's funny, I like Luke wanted to make sure that the doctor, it's his right hand, in case you're wondering. If the guy's right-handed, that would really add to the story, wouldn't it? We don't know that. We don't told that. But, but Luke wants us to know it's his right hand. And so we hear that. And so oh, what just amazes me, though, is that they just seem so unloving. I mean, first of all, in the first point about the Sabbath, I, I would have thought they would say, hey, God, that, what is this, the Sabbath is a great idea. Thank you. We applaud you. But no, they get angry because it's not being observed the way they want. Then we get to this count. Why wouldn't you applaud? This guy's healed. I mean, they saw he had a withered hand. And you think they'd say, oh, now you give me a high five because you can do it now. How good is that, right? But no, they don't. They don't celebrate the moment at all. Legalists don't celebrate. <laughs> they just live by the rules. You might say, what do you mean by some, give me some examples over the years, I'm glad you asked, and I'm going to give you some. I remember years ago, it was taboo to play card games. Some younger generation, like, really? Yeah, dead serious. You know, don't play cards, it was bad. No meat on Friday, I grew up on this one. No meat on Friday. Mom would put them fish sticks in the oven. I said, I don't think so. I'm going to Bill's. Because they didn't celebrate that. She made hot dogs and hamburgers. So I'd say on Good Friday, I don't know if mom and dad must have put it together. Because it was every Friday during Lenten. I'm going to go to Bill's house. And I'd wolf down meat. And i got to be honest, I didn't feel guilty once. Just honest. Maybe you grew up in that environment. Um, I, I saw this. No homeschool. If you're not raising your kids homeschool, then you're not doing it right. 
Now, I love homeschool. Understand this. I'm a big homeschool fan, but not to that degree. And I've seen that, unfortunately. Uh, one university handbook some years ago uh, said all women must wear hose, and they can only wear jeans after 7 p.m. They may only listen to classical or non-classical, not quite sure what that is, um, or serious religious music. They even went as far as to say no interracial marriage or you'll be expelled. By the way, they would have expelled Moses then. I don't know if that ever clicked to him, but it's just, you read this, you're like, are you serious? Went to a um, convention one time, and the list said, if you're a man, you must have your hair cut, and it can be no longer than two fingers above your collar. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And they're going to check. Really? Okay. That gets a little over the top. Or, or how about, hey, don't you can't drink any alcohol, not a touch, or you're a pagan. Well, the Bible warns about drunkenness, but it doesn't go that far. And so you can see people like to take one more step because it makes them look better because they're towing the line, the list, the rules. Now, I'm against careless living. You know that's preached it often. But I get really grieved, too, about legalism. It just steals people's joy. It's dangerous. You don't think it's dangerous? Look at verse 11. They see this healing. They're filled with fury. They're filled with fury because he healed them. And discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. When someone elevates their lists, their rules as authoritative with Scripture... Or a real dangerous turf. Jesus came to heal and help this man. The religious crowd, on the other hand, they have a whole different agenda. By the way, it doesn't seem like a lot of work to plot someone's murder on the Sabbath. They didn't seem hesitant about that. As long as they had control of it. And that's what legalists want to do. They want to gain control. But Jesus modeled perfectly for us what it looks like to walk in grace. What it looks like to help needy people. And to meet them at their point of need. And to elevate loving people over controlling them. There's three applications I just want to lead you with. Um, Not rocket science. But one... Personally, let me just say to you, please understand your favor with God is not tied to you keeping a list of rules. It's, it's about grace. It's about God's grace and loving you. You can never follow a list good enough anyways. It's his grace that accepts and forgives you and provides for you. The Sabbath is a gift of grace. Your salvation, if you've come to faith in Christ, is a gift of grace. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. Don't think for a moment your favor with God is tied to you keeping a list. Number two, intentional contemplation, I think, on the goodness of God, specifically here in giving of the Sabbath, counteracts mean-spirited legalism. I really do think that the more we contemplate the goodness of God and his grace and pouring out his favor on us, it takes us from the mean-spiritedness of legalism. We're able to enjoy the gifts of God better. And the third thing I want to really challenge you is to evaluate your heart. Are you becoming a legalist? These are hard questions, but they need to be asked. 
ask yourself, am I elevating rules outside of the Bible? Am I pushing myself to keep these rules in the thought that there's a greater spirituality if I do? Are you coming proud because you obey all the rules? Are you judging others based on the way they align with your rules? Do you get angry with those who break your rules? Those can be hard questions if we're honest because it, it can get easy to slide there. It seems like the longer we're Christians, it just gets a little easier to slide there. Ask yourself that. Pray, God, search all of us. Search every corner of our heart. See if there's any trace of legalism, God. It's been my prayer in my life. Wash us, Lord. Maybe we need to repent. Jesus made it clear on the Sabbath showdowns that he is Lord. Unmistakable. Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord of life. Might you and I follow him as Lord of our life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word because as we see this morning, you just tell us the truth of the way it is. You don't let us get away with arrogance, pride. You call us on the carpet. And Lord, you seem this morning to want it to be incredibly clear. You're a God of grace and mercy. You care about people. Whether it's hungry disciples or a man with a withered hand. You're so loving and so kind. It's your kindness that has led us to repentance in the first place. And we thank you for such a great love that we sang about earlier. And Lord, we know we're works in progress. It seems that just being conformed into your image and following your word can be challenging enough for us without adding another list to it. God, I just pray that we would be humble, that our hearts would be receptive to every word from you. Change us. That just as we found salvation by grace, we would walk in that grace. We'd be people of grace. And Lord God, that we would seek your word as our authority. And we seek to follow you as our Lord. Help each of us to do that. And God, I pray for anyone in this room who, Lord, who grew up and maybe trusting rules. Or maybe even as they sit here, think, you know, I, I think I'm good enough. God, I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, you'd help them to realize they never could be good enough. But you, as Peter shared, God, you became the sacrifice for our sin. Lord, so we could have your righteousness. And it's all by grace. And so God, might that each person in here who's never trusted you, I just ask that you would open their eyes, that they would trust you as Savior. That'd be really great, God. And so Lord, I just pray that as we now continue to live out this week, I pray that you'd help your word to remain in our minds and in our hearts. Um, so we could follow you this week. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.